This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're woo 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 Welcome to the Woo-Woo-Verse. It is a deep dive into energy, into self and into soul awakening. I am one of your hosts. I'm Kiralee. Hi, I'm Lynette. And we are intuitives. We are energy readers. We're channels. We're energy dealers. We basically, we live and we breathe this stuff. And we are so (laughs) thrilled to be here and to get to share our passions with you. And in this week's episode, we're getting into, look, going to call it the most woo-woo of the Mm. chakras. So we're well up in its business. We love it. (laughs) We're talking about the third eye. Um, perception, intuition, inspiration, the journey to enlightenment, all the good stuff. Lynette, you love a bit of third eye. Yeah, I don't know if my third eye has ever had a break, (laughs) to be honest. Always been on. Yeah, it's just I've been probably using it for a very long time and it probably needs a holiday. The third eye, what a mysterious and wondrous place this is. This is the journey into the world that we can't see with our, you know, physical eyes. This is behind the scenes. It's the connector through the looking glass. And wow, the concepts in this chakra are mind-blowing to say the least because you have to be able to move from a state of understanding of what is reality and expand that to try and encompass something that you might not have been originally taught about or shown. It's a bit like those magic eye pictures, which were a thing in the 90s, right, where it looks like something, but if you pull back at the right angle and you let your eyes go soft, something else appears. And that's a little bit, this eye chakra is, it is the eye into the other world. It does govern perception. So please, let's talk about perception. Yeah, but those pictures were interesting because I did share them with people and say, oh, I think that's what I'm doing. But you have to learn how to look at them like not everyone just gets them and goes oh there's the boat or there's the dinosaur like you had to learn how to navigate that perceptual field or the ligaments in your eye or whatever so that you could get the depth of field that was required to see the picture and it's a lot like that isn't it in this chakra it is let's I mean perception in general because I'm just I'm gonna say it my delightful ex-husband and I used to have a running argument about this it went on for roughly 12 years and I think we're still having it I say (laughs) there is no objective reality there I put it out there he absolutely would take the opposite um, stance and say there is an objective reality. Mm. I base my statement of no objective reality in part on the Yoga Sutras who, mm. that teach us that everything is perception. Um, mm. Yoga Sutra 415 says, and I'm going to apologize for my appalling Sanskrit pronunciation here. Give it your best shot. Avastu samye chitta betat teyovabhaktaha pantaha. And and the translation I've been shared of that is each individual person perceives the same object in a different way, according Mm. to their own state of mind and projections. Everything is empty from its own side and appears according to how you see it, which is perception. Wow, that's in a nutshell. We could just zip it there. That's amazing. Podcast over. (laughs) (laughs) Sanskrit, of course. Coffee break. Taken taken it to the next level. That is amazing absolutely profound and true yeah and yet so much to explore in that mm, isn't there it's not a small that's probably concept. why you were arguing about it for 12 years oh yeah we had a really good <laughs> ongoing 12 year argument and and neither of us have, have have changed our mind yet and what a beautiful noble friend to be in your world in a way that rubs you just the right way to keep thinking and feeling and moving and changing and accepting and expanding. Yes, Yes, because if we just keep attracting people that only have our versions of reality, we never get to see any of the other sides of the cube or the shape or the dodecahedron. Love me a dodecahedra. Nun. Um, Favourite shape. I like to call it for short. (laughs) 
<laughs> so part of our job with perception and our third eye, sometimes when I think about third eyes, I think about those excellent sunglasses that Prince used to wear, where he had like the two lenses for the two eyes and then he had the third lens for the third eye because of oh, course his I third eye imagine was his so third eye was open. Rocking. Yeah, yeah. It is a little bit about polishing the lens of the third eye, isn't mm. it? And developing our perception. Well, I was thinking about this because basically, you know, I was like, oh, what what was my relationship with this chakra? And I was like, I actually teach people how to go into this chakra. This is, mm. this is probably, you know, for all the other things I've taught people, I'm really teaching them to look at all those other parts of themselves and go into those experiences because it will open this area naturally. And, you know, we said it in the beginning and I'm going to say it again. I don't think it's the best idea if you're trying to understand intuition and go through to more expansive awareness that you just go through to this chakra, which is a lot of where new age consciousness started. It was like the focus was this damn chakra and everybody went into it and (laughs) took us out of our body. And some people had what we call spiritual crises because they didn't have a base chakra feet firmly on the ground. They hadn't explored any of the other areas of their power center. So add a whole lot of Kundalini and a lot of energy coming through and everything blew out. So yes, this is a wonderful intuitive opening and a doorway to that space. But Honestly, if you naturally start from the bottom and you start exploring as we have been doing all these other personal awarenesses and concepts and you get connected to all these feeling centers and you start navigating and directing your spirit, the intuition and the synchronicity of that experience naturally develops and it's magical. And what happens is you start to realize I am perceiving the world from a different space. I am starting to see things yeah, differently. Yeah, definitely. When we talk about polishing the lens and we think about what that actually means, what we're doing is saying the lens is there. It's The doorway is available to us, but there's things clouding the experience. So to get to what our true perception is or what we're trying to understand as our own personal reality or divine reality, some people call it, we need to sit down and go, what is creating the fog? And Honestly, what's creating your fog might be different to what's creating my fog. And that's again where you've got to sit through, yes, you've got to sit through those other chakras and go, oh, maybe if I think about, you know, my personal power relationship with the world, bingo, I can see things differently. Again, maybe if I take myself back. I think one of the things that really um, was one of the big perceptions alterations in my life came through yoga as well. That's why Mm. I'm very comfortable talking about yoga through this chakra. Mm. And it was, there's this beautiful concept in yoga that we are born divine. Mm. We are divinity. We are God itself. We just forgot, like done it. We just forgot. And so the the journey of the lifetime is coming back to that understanding. And I, until I got into the yoga space, nobody had ever told me that. I was raised a Catholic. So it was a bit, you were born in sin, sucker. Mm too bad like and so the idea that actually I was born in divinity and I just need to rediscover it that changed my perception of myself it changed my perception of the world it changed my perception of other people because if I'm divine they're divine we're all divine um that was like a big polishing of my third eye to be able to see the world through that framework through that prism I had an experience of you know faith-based schooling as well but my experience was that that was a safe place and all I could hear was all the positive, amazing things about this other world that made me feel safe that I was experiencing every day. And when I would go somewhere where there was no conversation about this other world or this other energy or angels or, you know, miracles and stories of um, energetic exchange, I would feel afraid. So in some ways, me having that schooling was so powerful because it gave me a language around energy and protection and support and help. And I think in some ways, for some people, they say it closed that lens, but for me, I think it kept it open. And everybody has these amazing journeys. Which is all perception, right? Like for me, my faith-based schooling was just a bunch of bullshit rules (laughs) that I was like, I'm out. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And also, yeah, you know what? It, you, yeah. Mm. Like gay people, they're okay. Women should be allowed to be in positions of power. Um, yeah. Repression, yeah. not my favorite thing. Which is all, it's all perception, right? This is what we're talking about too. It's all perception. Yeah. And I had very young, free parents. So we would go to this, well, it was a very young parish church as well. So they would just be like, oh yeah, everyone's welcome. Like it was, it's so, this is so diverse, but how you are brought up in regards to whether or not another world exists, you know, like is there anything else? Do you have a language for it? Have you had any relationship with it? Were you were you introduced to it by anyone that you loved and trusted? That can make a massive difference about where you start in this chakra. I believe people are naturally connected to this chakra and intuitive by nature. And I think if you put people in a forest, they will naturally return to their instinct and intuition for sure. But we do grow up in a world where it clouds the lens and we get all confused and all twisted about it. And by coming back and asking where those fogs live, we can really make a big difference very, very quickly. So the thing about perception isn't just how you perceive the divine and how you believe the divine perceives you, which is part of what we're talking about here. But it's also then being able to perceive and see the divine in others and everything and everyone. And I know we keep going on about that, but that's because it's essentially really, really an important part of spiritual awareness and spiritual development. It's that internal, external experience, but it's the witnessing of, you know, the divine everywhere or God is everywhere. And I love hearing stories about this when people witness that energy coming into the physical world or some kind of divinity in motion in a very mundane place or in places of conflict and you go, there's the the God in the detail or God in motion in a very mm. obscure way in this physical. I love those meeting points. And it is one of the clouding of the perceptions, the clouding of the lens, isn't it? This idea that, yeah, we are separate. You are different to me. Maybe we're all against each other. And then when you get into this chakra, and and I like to call them cosmic jokes because it looks like we're going inside of ourselves and we're just na- gazing mm. at our own navels and it's all a very individual experience. But actually when you do that, you come to the universal and the collective and really part of the healing that is offered in this chakra is about connection and and the perception that we are one and we are all together and you are not alone yeah and the perception can either divide us or it can unify us and I always have this feeling that when we're talking about this energy like someone will say what do you think about our oh, medicine versus natural therapies and I'll say I think it meets in the middle medicine is as divine as natural like, yes. therapies when done with the right intention and and connection it all I think somehow the meeting in the middle is the divine perception it's all one but we divide everything and then it becomes all you know disharmonious which doesn't benefit anyone so yes the perceptual center requires us to sit with the whole kaleidoscope and see the bigger picture draw ourselves into the picture as well as out of the picture and and sort of see how it all is working together I think a little quote I, in talking of perception, there's a little quote I'd like to share. And it's actually one that I, that you shared with me first. And, and I, I really treasure it <laughs> in every unexpected bump, turn or squiggle on the path of life. Dear one, you pretty much have two choices, accept it as if you yourself had meticulously planned it. And as if you're being watched by 10,000 cheering angels who love you so much, you're pretty much all they ever sing about. Or accept it kicking and screaming as if it was some freak accident or random mistake that had befallen you by chance. I know which one I would choose. Love the universe. <laughs> yes. Again, podcast Cute, over. right? I feel like if, you, if you're accepting it the first way, you're up in your third chakra. You're feeling good. You've healed there. You're feeling good about it. It is truly perception that allows us to make the decision of where we need to change and heal our life. So when we have perception mm, and yes. we can get into that, we can actually use all these other energies to m- make a difference, which I do understand is why people try to tap into their ish- intuition or why they have that craving to do it. 
And once you have that connection, it's like, wow, then you use the other chakras as a roadmap. But it does require you to get that kind of vision or something is wrong here. This is not working. I'm not supposed to be here. I can't do this anymore. And why? I see the connections yes. is another one that comes up here when you clear here. Mm. I see the connections. Oh, these in the past, I would have seen these as two completely separate events, not related to each other. But now I can see it's the same topic or theme or lesson playing out in two different ways in my life. And that's actually one of the, the signs that you're having a real connection with this chakra is that you start to see everything is interrelated, no longer disconnected. Mm everything's relating and pulsing together and you can put the childhood map over the current map and you can see how it fits perfectly like a lock and key and you're like oh my god I can liberate myself from my suffering because I am no longer trapped in the cage of the picture of the story of the conundrum I can say you know what I am never doing that again and that is where the first step of change happens and then the rest of the energy follows it's pretty amazing right yeah love it love this chakra what a a lot of what we're kind of talking about here as well is wisdom like this Mm. chakra is the seat of wisdom Mm. of knowledge of learning and and wisdom i just want to share a little little story about wisdom shall we say um it's in our show notes as the tomato story and lynette was like what is the tomato story well i'm here to tell you it's about knowledge versus wisdom and so knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit and wisdom is not putting the tomato in the fruit salad and that's what we're talking about it's not just enough to know stuff in this chakra this is where you like you were saying you connect stuff you get wise to stuff you um know how to use your knowledge Mm. and use your wisdom to to heal your life oh, and to see. Yes, yes, that is so true. And to be blessed with wisdom is a gift and it is a, a divine gift. It's a spiritual gift to It's an have, aging gift and oh, I'm here for it. Oh, my gosh, isn't it ever? Don't you wish you had the wisdom you had now and you were like 10 years younger? I mean, it's amazing to have this sort of yeah. softening and growing and awakening But that is such a perfect story to describe it. A part of how we get from knowledge to wisdom and and kind of discernment on how to use our knowledge in this chakra, it's about pulling back as well, Mm. um, pulling back perception from the physical world and letting ourselves become a mindful observer. One of my my teachers kind of said it in, in terms of taking your life less personally, which feels a bit weird. You're like, there is nothing more personal to me than my life. What are you talking about? Mm. But in bit like in meditation, we can step back and go, oh, you know, that's my thought, but it's not like, where did it come from? It's not really my thought. We can get on a level where we we step back and view our lives through a different lens and through this lens of this chakra why in this chakra usually when the student is ready the teacher appears because a teacher or mentor or guide counselor fantastic awake psychologist who can say hey can I pull apart that for you and with you and help you see this differently or hey I've noticed three times in the last six months every time this happens it follows by you doing this oh my gosh that is the bomb and it can really allow you to get up from you know whatever it is you're sitting in and find out how to walk through it because you've just got that person who's can can draw you back a little bit I mean obviously we do have the capacity to do it ourselves but usually in that moment that is when the teacher will appear and I've I've been given the same piece of information about my life, the same wise teaching, the same moment of clarity at two different points in my life. And the first time I've not been ready and I've been like, no, nah, I'm out. Doesn't mean anything, whatever. And then exactly, almost exactly the same mm. words, maybe three years later, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, yes, that's the key. That is, that's how I heal this part of myself. That's how I solve this situation. But I was foggy. My lens was foggy the first time I heard it and I was a bit clearer second time. So I really heard it. Yeah. And, and I think one of the reasons why we hear things over and over is A, so we don't get it, but also because I think it gives you a humility that you're not 
necessarily in control of all this reality Mm. and having a teacher that usually appears in this chakra, someone that maybe a little more versed ahead on the path, you know, not perfect by any means human, but maybe has walked those trials or has understood that lesson or got themselves out of the tangle is such a gift because you're able to sort of ask them to hold you in the highest space, the highest esteem, higher watch, they call it, while you untangle yourself and while you become ready. And a good teacher is patient. They're they're kind and they're perceptive. And it is one of the hardest parts of the job, but it is also sometimes to turn the lens onto the part of a personality or the ego that is holding that person back that they may not want to see or be ready necessarily to let go of. And hopefully there's enough energy and belief and trust in the bank that if that and when that happens, the teacher is able to do that and we can learn and say thank you. But sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm. This is sometimes the chakra where people can get very stuck and very blocked and very stubborn and very fearful and, you know, even in some ways controlling of their reality. And there are equally people, and I have met these people, that have not got reverence for their teacher or have not taken a teacher at this point and gone on and forged ahead. And I guess in the old days, that would have been like someone who really went off and went into that rogue sorcery type space and went, I've got it, I am the power, you know, it's all coming into me and no, no answering kind of to no higher law or higher self, kind of getting out of that humility and discernment of this chakra. So what a powerful space it is, but also very powerful to be vulnerable to listening to those messages, Kiralee, as you described, the vulnerability and the openness to hearing it when it comes gently. One of the most special yoga poses, sorry, it's just all going to be about yoga for me, (laughs) the chakra. Um, One of the the best yoga poses ever invented, everyone's favourite is child's pose. I love that pose. You'll find me there, that or Savasana. (laughs) It's powerful for so many reasons and one of the reasons it's so powerful is because it's the only pose where our third eye rests on the earth and that's like a powerful energy connection and it's powerful because like you were saying it's humility it's bowing forward it's bowing down it's being the student but it's also having the third eye connected to the earth and understanding that we too have opening and we too have power and we too have this lens that we can we can clear and clean with the assistance and support of our teachers that pose single-handedly if you are confused and feel detached and in any way psychically troubled or out of balance that is the pose to bend down and do and place that third eye on the earth and surrender and hand it over and even if you I know the traditional is to put your hands I think down by your side and have palms up but If you need to earth even more, just take them out for a moment in front of you and hold your hands and your third eye and place them on the earth and then take your hands back. That energy creates a circuit. Oh, it's amazing. It's so comforting. There's this really great meme of a woman in a supermarket doing child's pose in like the dairy aisle Um, and underneath it, it just says, my yoga teacher said I can do child's pose whenever I want. And that woman is my Patronus. I love her. I'm like, yes, girlfriend, you can. I'd be child posing all over the place. Yeah. So there are really simple and natural things to do to get connected to that wisdom. And here's something I will say, and you've mentioned it before, but God very rarely comes in a limousine sparkly, screaming and loud. Everything in this chakra is very reverent, very sacred, whatever that means to you, very simple. And you feel it like a beautiful, gentle lightning bolt through your body. Like it's a very personal experience. And yeah, definitely. I think if it's coming in flashy and hard and intense, it's probably not this language or this frequency. 
This is the frequency where we receive visual guidance, symbols, dreams, intuitive communication. It's where imagination and wonder live as well. And it's the part of the discussion where we can talk about psychedelics. So cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this is interesting, right? Because there is, as humans do, they bring themselves to a place where they create something to accelerate this process. And probably it was divinely guided, MDMA and other such experiences <laughs> help with this process, I guess. Ayahuasca, mushrooms, there's a whole lot of radical spirituality that you can certainly follow to get those experiences. And and it's very ancient. Like I, mm. I feel like humans have always sought communication to the divine through the offerings of the earth as well there's always been plant spirits that have been around to help us open this part of ourselves there's always been other tools that we've used like things like meditation mm. can absolutely get you mm. there but then something which you know something like ayahuasca something like mushrooms mm. whatever it is that are offerings from the earth to help us when taken in a sacred space help us get there as well thanks earth thanks for being an amazing planet yeah and that communication then between earth and the divine and the being mm. of, you know the human being is amazing and culturally that is true most cultures have a way or some kind of plant medicine that they use to accelerate this process it's interesting though that traditionally most of the time it is administered by somebody in the tribe like there is again mm. a teacher a guide you had a a shaman there is somebody that watches the journey and takes some level of karma or holds the space while someone mm. who is journeying goes through that and I think that's important to mention because one of the things I noticed especially when I work with a lot of young people now and my goodness this was certainly me and my friends when we first went on that journey we were just administering it ourselves and doing and we would decide you know it's 3am are we going to go again or are it's we fine. going home or and yeah. and as I said it was always kind of venturing on some kind of intended spiritual let's have a great time experience but we live in a culture where there is no administrator there is no someone saying like and I even remember this with you and Ayahuasca you said to me the plant medicine said you are done don't come back for a moment you need to yeah. go and be in the world kind of thing and I remember we had a discussion yeah. about that and I said to you that is very normal because you have retrieved as much information on the journeying outward as you can you've opened and experience chakric awakening out that way enough now what you have to do is come and breathe that and live that in this physical body and turn it into something and then when you've done enough of that the calling will come again and guess what there will be a spot and the shaman will be available and it happens again but if you think about how amazing that is it's kind of self-regulating and it's this beautiful balanced approach of going up and coming down and but one world's expansion meets the next and all this beautiful exchange but we've become imbalanced in our world where there is maybe you can do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And, again. and now it's a money-making business to go and do these things and there isn't really anyone other than yourself that can say, actually, that's enough and let's stop and integrate that and see how I go for a couple of months and then return. And that is part of the lessons in this chakra as well. It's all very well to get up in the chakra and have your fantasies and your dreams and your connections. Mm. And But you can't live in your head. You live in the world. And especially people like us, we don't live in a cave in Tibet and meditate 10, 12 hours a day. We live in the world and we have bills that we pay and people who depend on us and things that, I, okay, I don't have anyone who depends on me, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> we are connected in the world. And so we live in the world, right? So yeah. anything we get through yeah. this chakra, when we get these perceptions, when we get yeah. these connections, because well if you not if you've done your job properly but if you are working through all the chakras you'll be connected all the way down into the ground you'll come and you'll back. be able to bring these lessons out into the world yeah what's fascinating about it as well is that there's all of that experience that can kind of ignite you and catapult you and stretch you using these medicines some chemicals some plant based but really if you've been in this for a long time 
and we've talked about this before too, where I've said to you, it's really important that you can build that divine connection and that divine bridge without any of that. And this is a massive conversation because now I went to my service station recently and I was trying to buy some kind of juice and I read it and it had like hemp and a whole lot of other stuff in it. And then I was speaking to my friend in another part of the world in America and she said to me, oh, you have to be really careful because there's a whole lot of stuff in drinks now that was is a natural product mixed with something else that I she's sober. So she's like, I can't have any of that. Like I'm committed to a sober life and that means edibles and it means things that I could soothe myself with that maybe in a harmless drink that you can get at the service station that's been under regulated, you know, Mm. um, assessment and it's fine. And I can, I get that it's becoming murky and I think we have to be aware that all these things that seem like, okay, they're not, it's not Xanax and it's not Valium and maybe it's okay to vape. But I wonder if there is still a fog over the lens if we are doing that continuously and that connection hasn't been found without that or there hasn't been an experience of it without that. Because I'll I'll explain a little further and it is that a lot of people are totally fearful of the love and the connection of the divine which sounds strange, but it, it terrified. Because when when do you so ever get love. actually that yes. level of love and yes. unconditional love in yes. your own life? It's like history, terrifying. And in all sacred texts, you know, when God visits, it's overwhelming for that human being. And yes, very intense life changes. Yeah. You know, things big floods, yeah. fire, frickery. It's all big. So, you know. Look, to be fair, God, a lot when he arrives does like flood shit or like set shit on fire or like kill the firstborn sons. Like we've got a lot to be a bit, you know, sensitive about. These stories and this fear, whether it's through the ages we've carried this fear of the unknown and the divine and, you know, this concept of God as being really big and full on has created us to go on a journey of self-discovery but put a little buffer or some kind of fog or fuzz over it so that we don't truly completely connect with ourselves and that divine. And there is so much debate about this. I really understand it. There are people who are like, nope, that gets me there. What are you talking about? That's Mm -hmm. my gateway. Mm -hmm. That's my pathway. You know, that's my religion. And then there are other people who sit in right over in the other camp and they're like, it's got to be completely nothing and you're sitting in a cave and you need to have that divine enlightenment relationship connection. Yeah, it's all happening at once. It's a spectrum. But I think it's good to mention because this is where this all gets brought up and it's where it gets really... Um, it's a big cocktail and you have to figure out where you come cocktail. from and and it's going to become increasingly more important because I've had these conversations with people who have dedicated to a life of sobriety and who are now looking at all these things, these edibles, vapes, everything available to them and saying that is, you know, it's okay if some people are choosing that but that's a no for me and I'm just going to go back to the higher power connection and I'm staying there. It's going to be interesting. And, you know, and growing up, like, we, you know, we both did growing mm. up with drugs are illegal and they're mm. bad. End of story. They're banned. They're mm. bad. But also us being like, well, the first time I saw God was on a dance floor at 3 a.m. So yeah. maybe it's not yeah. all bad. And and we are in kind of a murky place at the moment where the laws is some places they're changing, some places they're not. They are talking about finally starting uh, trials of MDMA mm. again to see if that helps with post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. There is finally after a lot of shutdown the idea mm. that yeah that yeah that might people like oh my god hello hello Berlin and all you microdoses. I know you're all out there. I had twenty five thousand conversations about microdosing in Berlin this <laughs> summer. Like there's pockets of yeah. people really exploring different aspects again of plants mm. and how they can get us to God and what it means for me to use a plant yes. to get there yes. or a chemical. What it may, would mean if I used yeah. MDMA in a therapeutic setting, and and we've been under so much repression. Yeah. 
and, and like indigenous yeah. cultures who use these, who yes. traditionally have always used these um, plant medicines, have been repressed for so long yes. and have had their their culture and their religion repressed by colonization. So that's all a kind of mixed into all of this as well. Yes, it's really it's really complicated. It is. It's so it's so potent and the. You know, again, I'll say that most of the cultural traditions that use this have some understanding of spiritual administration around it and balance. And I think that's where we're going to come into a bit of guidance and we're going to need some kind of boundary and discussion around it, which is very difficult considering everyone comes from different places and perceptions. The other thing is that when I was teaching young people and obviously there's lots of questions about drugs and kids are doing drugs and and they are oh they are they are we were (laughs) and they are and that was my argument everyone and I was sitting in staff rooms and people who had never really tried drugs were like it's a no and I was like well, it's a no until you take something and then you feel amazing and you feel love and ecstasy and that might be the closest to God, as you said before, that you have ever come. And why would you say no to that when it's mimicking that energy so profoundly? So unless you explain what comes up, goes down, life is about balance, this is how cultures and tribes have used this, this is the journey of exploration and then bring it back, put it into music, you know, whatever it is, I think we're missing the point here. But oh my goodness. And integration again, right? Yeah, but the discussions and the arguments and the fear, which are understandable around all of this, make it a little bit difficult to move this along. And you can understand why you're having so many conversations in Berlin about microdosing because people don't want to take normal pharmaceuticals, they're feeling depressed, they're not getting that elevation, they don't know what to do. So they've heard of this amazing thing, it makes sense. They go back to the concepts in Berkeley and all of, you know, electric Kool-Aid and they think, well, hey, we all know that that was the start of something massive and it got kind of sideswiped. So people are taking it back and that's the thing about revolutionary times, right? Anarchy happens and awakening happens through it. Say that again. Anarchy happens and awakening happens through it. And I am here for it. Viva la revolution. We are living in exciting times. I mean, we're also living in times that we could just tip over that edge a little bit. And that's something what I... It's killing me, but you're right. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, we had this conversation too about sobriety and taking a time where you move these things out of your life to see what there really is, move the fog completely because we met and you were like, oh, I'm sober. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then we had a conversation, went, hold on a minute. And I was like, oh, we have to clean all the lens, all of it squeaky clean I was like oh that's right I was doing a really good version of sober where I was like I was so I'm sober and I'm microdosing every day and you were like um and I was like oh yep no okay wouldn't actually describe myself as sober fair play and so and can I tell you that I knew that because when we would sit together I would feel this elevation of my aura and it would be going in all these like directions and I was like, yeah. I was looking at you going, I'm trying to understand your energy. And it's, and I just want to say, I do have a policy where I ask people to try and refrain from it when I'm about to read them for that reason. And yeah, again, too. controversial, mm. right? Because some people are like, this is my life and, and this is what I do. And I'm like, I hear you. I wish you could come and sit where I'm sitting as a relatively sober person who, you know, for me, and I used to have this thing where I'd say is for events, like I need a celebration, there needs to be a reason, there needs to be intention. Yes, it's a little bit old school. I'm 46. It's not like I'm going back and taking myself out for When you taught your kids and... to read, were you like A is for apple, <laughs> B is for ball, da, 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 E is for events? <laughs> We just left that out. <laughs> oh, I don't know how we're going to tackle all of that, but we will. We'll get there. <laughs> They're only the little at the moment. Give it some years. We're just moving it, moving it around. Um, at the moment, we're dealing with you know sugars and all sorts of delicious things. But I think that what was interest is interesting is that I I say to people, I wish you could come and sit 
just where I am and feel the feeling in my body and the way it feels and looks in my perceptual center, when you've been really slamming the pot and you sit down in front of me and you ask me a question because it's like I, I have literally zonked out in front of people while I'm reading them and come back and gone, okay, so what just happened is I've gone to a place that part of you is and it's not in this dimension. Mm. And if you really want to reclaim parts of your life and get to that career destination and rebuild your connection with your children, we're going to need to get you fully back here and I can help you direct your spirit into the earth. And it doesn't mean never, ever, ever, unless that is your code of conduct and command and decision for yourself. But it, it there is a merit, having been through all spectrums of this, that I can say to you, you have a lot more connection with that divine into the earth plane if you can harness that boundary. So plant medicine uh, is is one way to get up into the chakra, one way to work on polishing the lens. Um, plant medicine is a teacher. Drugs, psychedelics can all be teachers. Not all teachers are people, and we have you know spoken a lot about teacher um, sitting in this in this chakra. One of the really big teachers of this chakra is death. It is. Mm. This is the chakra of rebirth and awakening, and as we said, it's the eyes in this world which live in our head you know our physical body head but then it's the eye into the other world and yes and there is a sense of ordination or initiation and one of my favorite authors Stephen Jenkinson who um, created a film called Grief Walker he was a he's a death doula he talks about the important initiation of death and he says that our society has become separated from understanding death so and looking at yeah. death and being present for death and understanding the truth of death not as this scary process but as a journey and to love that person and to let that love come back and feed the tribe and he said because we've become separated from the death process we've forgotten how to live it's death that makes life exciting, right? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's not, pre- life isn't precious if it goes on forever. No. And we, my family experienced a very potent and traumatic death this mm. year. And life was going along just swimmingly. And then all of a sudden, this very young, amazing person in my family was here one minute and literally after three or four days gone but the process that happened from the minute we found out that the accident had happened to the point where they were funeraled and released to the other side in completion was so phenomenally profound the amount of people it stopped and brought together and created initiation around was phenomenal like one person's experience transformed so many people's experience and Mm. people had dreams and they could feel her and love her and the end and so many people have these stories and this is often where people's first initiation into belief and intuition comes through Mm. because a loved one will appear in their dreams or send them a symbol or a sign that was meaningful or they'll come to a medium and they'll have some kind of conversation that is only what they could have with them and this is that moment where they wake up and say I think I'm a little bit more connected than I used to be. Yeah my grandmother sent us one recently it was the anniversary uh, coming up on the anniversary of her death a year ago and I had a dream that my sister would see two ducks and that the ducks would be my grandmother Charlotte and her husband um, uh, who's also passed over Bruce and it would be the sign that Charlotte went to Bruce and that everything is okay and I just had the dream in an afternoon nap and I was like I should probably tell my sister about this it might be nothing it might be something and I told her about it and like three weeks later when she was having a really bad day she saw the ducks and I was like yeah 
Yep. Thanks, Nan. It's one of the hardest and most humbling and beautiful parts of the job to help families and people of loved ones come together and pass correctly. I recently did a reading for somebody who had tragically taken their life and this person has Mm. been trying to get into me for a very long time and it's only since that person passed that there was a quick emergency Um, spot available they took the spot what do you know perfect timing this person had not been completely able to move on from what had happened as a medium was able to help them transcend that experience and and share the information and it was oh the relief and the experience for everyone concerned and and that moment that awakens people to this is not just all we've got here, is it? There's something bigger going on. It's profound. There's mm. nothing more real than death. No, it, it, it is the like leveler. It's, it's the ultimate equalizer. It, 100%. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, speaking about signs, I, I really love how powerful this spirit world is to try and work with the synchronicity of this. When my sister-in-law passed, I got a very clear image of her in a red dress that she had worn to her engagement party. And then I felt very strongly I need to tell my mother that I had seen that there were lady beetles everywhere. And I thought, oh, isn't it funny? She's wearing a red dress. She's got beautiful dark hair and she's handing me the lady beetle. Now, my mother was in England, so the first funeral was in very cold winter of England lots was happening. So I had explained to her about the lady beetle and if she saw lady beetle brooches or anything for the kids, because there were nine children experiencing their first passing and funeral of someone who they dearly loved. So I was like, if you can find a lady beetle, that'd be great. My mum was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she completely forgot. Of course, she had her hands full. Everything was going on. It wasn't until she got back that I told her the story about the night that we were writing the funeral service And I said to her, you know, we were trying to work out which hymn to put in and it was our whole house was closed up and the next minute this lady beetle flew at 10 p.m. at night from the middle of nowhere onto a Union Jack pen. She was English and it was as we had our hands over a particular hymn. And I told my mum and she was like, oh, well, that's one of her favourite hymns. And then I said to my mum, but it was the lady beetle. Did you see any, have you seen any lady beetles? And mum went, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, the lady beetles. And she's like, no, I told her the story. And she said, oh my goodness. She just went blank. You know, that beautiful face where someone clicks. And she said at the funeral, all the children were playing in the back hall of the wake. And she said, what we started doing was seeing lady beetles and we were taking them outside and setting them free. But she said it was the middle of winter in England. Anyway, it became a reoccurrent theme. And what's beautiful is her mum is a spiritual person, but not much one for the woo-woo. And my mum had mentioned it to her out of solace because on Mother's Day, a lady beetle landed on one of our hands. Anyway, my mother told her and she was like, oh, that's lovely. You know, she kind of like connecting in, not connecting, like, you know, it's lovely. Mm. And she went out to the garden and she was just tending to her flowers. And she sent my mum a picture on WhatsApp of the most perfect lady beetle sitting on her wedding ring. Oh, get out. And it has been constantly reoccurring. And this, my sister-in-law equally, God bless her, was like, oh, you're a little bit woo-woo and she loved me. But, you know, I was the quirky aunt and the quirky sister-in-law. But God bless her, we have done nothing but communicate since she's been in the other side Mm. and she has been one of the strongest, most powerful spirits I have ever communicated with. She got over the other side, went, okay, this is all real and everything she does is so direct and so her. But those signs mean so much. And what we call that Mm. when you can see them and put it all together is symbolic sight. And it comes from not just looking at everything as separate as you were talking about before. It's where it all gets, the dots all get connected and you can see it. Seeing the themes of your life. 
Seeing the connection to the other side. Yeah, seeing it all come together. Yeah, and it comes with a feeling and that feeling is what we describe as Shakti or divine essence just running. You get a sense of it as well and often someone will see the feather at just the right time and have some tears. I want to say whenever you have one of those mystical experiences, it is opening your third eye. It's not Mm. only opening your heart but it is opening that bridge to the other side. And that's why loved ones are so important. Yeah, a really good way to keep the strengthening happening is to acknowledge it. Mm, So I always just look up at the sky and I point up and I went, I saw that, do not think I did not see that. I definitely saw that. It's like a bit of gratitude, a bit of acknowledging builds the bridge or strengthens the bridge. Yes, yes. Just keep that third eye open. I am poking your third eye. Stephen Jenkinson, and if anyone gets to see him live, he's amazing, he's movie Grief Walker. Phenomenal. It really brings us back to the concept that we need to walk through life knowing that death is real, that it is part of what we are going to do, that we journey others to death. He sees sickness as a sign that that person needs to be loved and gathered around and and held you know, and he really says that the healing of our society spiritually is going to be when we see death and birth in these sacred spaces again. Yeah, and I like I, I was a yoga teacher. I, I taught that I taught death. Mm. I never said my classes were cheery, but I basically <laughs> taught death for ten years. Right, that's what yeah. being a yoga teacher is because you're teaching letting go, and what's the ultimate letting go? Your death. Mm. Um, and so I have a practice of acknowledging my own death. I have taught death. I am that weird bitch at the party who doesn't want to talk about music. She wants to talk about death. Um, mm. And that's confronting for some people. But I also am pretty convinced that I'll be the first person who'll ever not die. Like I, even though I've done all this work, I'm still pretty convinced that death is something that happens to other people and won't happen to me, right? Like yeah. there is a part of they our brain away. that our survival instinct that absolutely pushes it away. And because we live in a modern world where we don't live with our grandparents and see them die at home, we don't, mm. there's really great medicine, there's hospitals, we don't see death all around us. We're really disconnected from it. And so the spiritual journey of connecting to death and connecting to your own death, it's not morbid. It's not just for goths at Halloween. It is a spiritual practice and it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And it's also for goths at Halloween. <laughs> Any near-death experience that I've heard of or anyone I've sat in front of who's had that talks about the profound desire to live. And there's this beautiful mm. neurologist called Eben Alexander and he was 100% science doctor, didn't believe in any of this. And he had an experience where he went into a deep coma and neurologically his brain was all sorts of custard and nothing should have been operating, like no neurology, right? So he's got all the science behind this and he tells his story. And yet he came back and he had these profound memories. And one of the memories he had was that he didn't know he had a sister who was adopted and after he came back he saw he kept talking about this beautiful angel and this beautiful woman this beautiful woman who told him he's loved he's safe he's going back and he did some research and talked to someone and they said oh you're describing your adopted sister or your sister that you've never met and he met her and he was like oh my goodness that cemented it for him he was like he goes on talking about this now this is his job to transfer this reality that he has had some level of experience with back to people who are non-believers one of the symbols for all of this is the owl and the eagle is something that some people talk about in relation to this chakra because it's about stepping back and getting a higher perspective and sort of seeing the divine design of everything, which is where artistry around this chakra often comes in and people who reach this chakra often can produce profound works of symbolic artistry and connection and, you know, people who even go on transcendental journeys bring back visions of art and music and soundscapes. But the owl is the other energy that's often associated with this frequency and you'll often see it if you're opening up this third eye. You'll see it in pictures. You'll see it. I've seen them sitting on my clothesline in my backyard when I've been doing this work. It's a sign that 
you are reaching that connection with the messages on the other side, the bridge, the owl sees in the darkness, and they're, they're said to take the spirit from one world to the next. So yeah, look out for the owl when you're working with all of this because it's really quite profound and can appear at any moment. There is so much wonder, there is so much magic, there is so much connection possible through this chakra. But what does it look like when it's out of balance? What does it look like then? Well, we've probably all met this because it's a very strong resistance to talking about any of this. This does not exist yeah, and it's massive spiritual fear. <laughs> totally been you know, there. You, you're crazy, I'm sane, a sense of stubbornness. Actually, interesting, spiritual versus religious, people who are are really truly in this energy are spiritual yet religious not so much different vibe right yeah bono from u2 says religion is what happens when the holy spirit leaves the building and i love that lynette have we really got to like episode where are we at episode 10 and you've only just mentioned bono now <laughs> that is incredible i can't uh, believe it took this long my spiritual well husband, you know yeah but that's music and soul and three chords and the truth and all of that kind of stuff but that's you know that's one of the things i loved about that band is that I could feel all of this energy in what they did as a movement during their time and creating those albums. But I do think that that is a very true statement that the spirit does leave <laughs> the building a lot of the time when we bring in all that religious mm, law yeah. and confinement. So other disorders of this chakra include closed-mindedness, mm, cynicism, mm, cynicism, anxiety, depression, paranoia. Yeah. When it's out of balance, you can see because some of those disorders actually get delusional visions and obviously, you know, when I first started having visions when I was younger, that was the big concern. And even for myself, I was, oh, my goodness, that is me. I was asking, I must need medication because nobody else is seeing this. Sometimes I'm like, am I just a bit mental? Is all of this real or am I just a bit mental? I'm pretty sure it's all real. Yeah, no, that's a really days. good point to bring up because I think it is important to check and it's important to yeah, go, right? how far is reality stretching for me? Having sat with and having to confirm visions for people and what they call their guides and all sorts of things, I am going to say I think it is important to check and the way I always say to do that is to sit with it and really wait for the answer to come back to you. If you think I'm connecting to something and it's in my perception and it's my mind, yes, that may feel very true. But ask for the sign. Ask for the, mm. you know, imagine it's a no until you actually get the yes. Please report to the latent Psychic Abilities Seminar. Utilising psychic vibration. We've talked about this. We have a spiritual economy. We have a woo-woo economy. And, Mm -hmm. you know. Woo-wanomy? Woo-wanomy. Oh, my God. I love that. But can something like one single rose quartz crystal yoni egg help you over deep womb work with a really strong practitioner guiding you through your own personal journey If you, you know, are just sitting there with that yoni egg and you don't really know what to do with it, no, Mm. it's really, really different levels of energy and this is where we get spiritual fads and I think we need to be mindful that we're not just buying into, you can't buy this level of access. It's hard work and you can't skip to it. It is hard work but, you know, it's it's that moment where Buddha went and sat under the Bodhi tree and became enlightened. There was nothing else around. He didn't need anything. Mm. In fact, he needed to let go of everything. So the concept that you're going to get to this by chucking more into it, it's a paradox, right? It's not going to happen. So I think that a healthy level of scepticism, yes, the simple things in life are best in here. And If you are experiencing constant, let's call it spiritual madness, which there was a point in my first phase of my journey where I honestly, before I met my teacher, was in spiritual bombardment and psychic madness that was just coming at me, it is important to find out about that and go and speak to someone about that and work out from getting several opinions what is going to feel right for you about that because we shouldn't be living like that. Even with a massively open third eye, 
You shouldn't be in mm. fear of spirit world. You shouldn't be in yep. fear of others. Yep. There should be no constant conversations and paranoid delusions. Like if something yeah, comes in, yep, say, yep. and I do get a lot of message, if someone's feeling something about me or saying something about me, absolutely, it's part of the job. It goes with the territory. I can't change it. I can't get visions about things that are really important to people, life-changing experiences, and suddenly decide I don't want to know what that person is thinking about me or saying about me. Of course, there is access to all of it, yet under massive – experience and training you can say look people have the right to their opinion they have the right to their feelings that has nothing to do with me I'm not going to assume a problem you know let's just flow with it if you are not able to disengage with it and becomes overwhelming and deeply invasive then that is not a healthy level of this engagement and it needs to be tended to <laughs> equally does constant dark thoughts and depressive thoughts about life and disconnection mm, yeah. because this chakra should connect you to oneness everything should feel like it's divine design that raindrop that you know everything yeah well let's talk about that let's talk about when um the third eye uh, is open when it is healed what does it look like when it's in alignment what does it look like what does it feel like what kind of practices can we use to to help bring it into alignment yeah there is an initiation in this chakra and it is one that people have talked about many times in mystical books and it's it's called The Dark Night of the Soul and Carolyn Meese wrote about it but it was really St John of the Cross who wrote about it to start with and it they talk about going through the mystical tunnel to come through to complete awakening and when the third eye is awakened and open we really feel at peace Carolee there's a that quote you read in the very beginning was just that everything is part of the same energy in the same shape and the same mm. debut mm. the, the, the word divine design kaleidoscope you know the image of a kaleidoscope where it keeps moving but it's all perfectly fitting and sitting where it needs to feels so relevant in this mm. chakra there is a peace you let go so you don't seek to overdo you flow interestingly though as so many lamas and, you know, the Dalai Lama and the Guato monks, whenever I'm in their presence, I can feel this energy and this chakra really in balance and very strongly. And they hold that chakra in a massive way for the planet. That energy is all about being able to kind of go through the rebirthing process and then see where you fit in, see what you can do to serve and be part of the divine design not separated from it so you know not to get all out there about it but you really do have a sense no, of you go. will do let's no harm ahead. you know it there is a yeah. sense of I don't yep. want to do harm I want to contribute I want to be of service it's not all about me I'm I'm yep. passing through and there is a point where you've done a lot of the third chakra or uh, 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 work and the you know, the navel chakra, tossle, 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 and the throat chakra, rah, rah, rah. And you just get to a point of very strong stillness. And transcendence, right, is where we're going with this as well. Yeah, and not every day if you're living in the real world. You know, let's face it, I can have moments of that. Every now and then. <laughs> Sweet jeepers, my washing machine just broke down. What's that great thing that you said? Um, some days I surprise myself, other days I leave my keys in my fridge, right? Like oh, that's it's, actually it's true for it's me. Balance. It's all of it. <laughs> you get more of those moments. And it can take me a couple of days to come down after I read and I've had to have a whole management strategy around that because it's not normal to have a third eye glaring out in the world, you know, after a big day's worth of work, everyone's kind of staring at you in this weird way. But one of the things that happens is you lose space and time. So anyone who's been read mm, by me knows yes. I do not run on yes. time. Most shamans yes. don't even run a diary because they're like, come yeah. and sit on a lawn chair and wait for me and I'll get to you when I get to you because that's the way it works. I try and run a diary, but I think, you know, all day people are getting messages. She's like, doctor's surgery, 20 minutes late, half an hour late. You'll get her when she get her. And it's funny working with that because people are like, well, I need to know. And I'm like, it's not getting your hair done. This is not going to happen according to you. It's different. Like if you can imagine how many yeah. energies are gathering for that moment, yeah. it's amazing. So you lose a sense of physical world, time and space. But then I think it is really important to try and come back and acknowledge those parameters as well but you get less caring about that stuff and one of the other things that happened to me is that I used to be 
um, trained as an, one of my trainings was as an English communications teacher. So I was always dotting everyone's I's and crossing everyone's T's and, you know, making sure I was using, using the Queen's English. And then as I came out of that and more into my spiritual process, my writing became messier. I started using <laughs> dot, dot, dots and dashes. I speak and Just let it go, I baby. write the way Just I speak. Out. Yeah. And if you had have told me back in the day that that would have my Virgo, that that would be me, I would have gone, no way. I'm don't like that at all. But now I'm like, it's kind of like the way I guess my energy expresses itself in the physical world and says I don't necessarily subscribe to that. And I know it drives people bajonkers. And some people even use it to go, well, that's very less than having been a person that was very specific like that and now going, I've actually come out that and I let that go. And that was my thing of that. It was, I let that go. I don't, I don't mind if I'm reading something that is imperfect anymore. This really is the chakra of the divine. It really, I mean, we're building up to crown chakra, but this is all about realizing that you are divine, being in divine communication and to help you get deeper into that for the universal treasure chest for this episode, we've got a couple of minutes of just pure peace and tuning and connection mm. that we're going to offer you. It's beautiful in the treasure chest this week. It'll come out early next week. So enjoy, yeah. download, listen, enjoy. Lynette, if people like what we do, what do they need to do? Oh, send us some love. Rate and review. It helps us Rate and shuffle review. up out there so others who are seeking information and energy on the verse can find us. So we really appreciate if you can give us some energy back and where it really helps us is those rate and reviews. So Yeah, and it only click, takes click, a second. Click. I know it I know it can feel a little bit dorky, but go if you're enjoying it, please rate, review, five stars, all the way, baby cakes. Um, it does help people find us and it helps us with our um, our mission of helping the whole squad to vibrate higher. So thank you so much for listening. Hey, Lynette, support you. Uh, support you, Kiralee. Great to speak to you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Woo Reverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you or if there's any extra work you've realized you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Woo Reverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.